0: You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, April 6th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI and Fires on Base, and newly Off the Bench Baseball, which I'll be talking about later. Or you might be familiar with more of my pop culture-related stuff, entertainment stuff, at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse Play Disgusting, and many more. Of this here Locked On Padres podcast though, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at L-O underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, only, 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 if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have. And I'll love, I love interacting with you guys on the old bird app. Or I might even answer them uh, here on the show. And today's show, guys is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. In today's episode, guys, I don't know if you could tell, my energy is a bit low. Uh, we're going to be talking about last night's game. Uh, we're, we have a lot to talk about, because Fernando Tatis Jr. is injured. Uh, just got to come out of the gate, say it. He's injured, looked bad, and it might be bad. It might be bad. Um, first, we're going to recap the game and stuff, uh, just because, yes, believe it or not, there was a game that did happen last night, um, even though I feel like we, we we wish yesterday didn't exist in a lot of ways. Uh, going to recap the game. Then, um, second part of the show, we'll be talking about the injury, my thoughts on that, what it means for the Padres' future, et cetera. And then, I don't know what I'll do in the third part just yet. Probably just talk about some general baseball news, because I actually think there's been some... Interesting stuff going on around the league that I want to just give my thoughts on really quickly, especially having to do with uh, the Astros, I think, is one of the big things. Um, today's episode was supposed to be, honestly, me just recapping the game and then playing my chat with either Emily Nyman or DC Lundberg, you know, playing those two parts and whatnot. But uh, instead, we got to talk about all this. So, guys, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's talk about last night. The Padres lost the first game of the series against the San Francisco Giants by a score of 3-2. to Pitching for the Padres was Mr. A.J. Morejon, who goes four innings, giving up two runs on five hits, walking one and striking out two. Not the most impressive line in the world, but believe it or not, I actually thought he was, I hesitate to even use the word silver lining after what transpired last night, but I actually thought he looked kind of good. He wasn't striking out people necessarily, especially Giants hitters, which is on one hand you might be thinking to yourself like wow he really wasn't able the Giants actually have in my opinion a very underrated offense I think that they've got like an island of misfit toys over there yeah they have Yastrzemski who homers in this game his first homer of the season after basically been deplorable for the start of the season he hadn't really done much he um he hits a solo shot um and then also another home run comes from Evan Longoria uh against Craig Stammen, who's different, Craig Stammon's another story, but in terms of Adrian Mordejohn, I actually thought he looked alright for a fifth starter, I think that his stuff was pretty good, it didn't look like they were really hitting him all that hard, now I mean, you know what I'm saying, like they weren't bashing the ball all over the place, uh, he did have the two mistakes, which he clearly knew about too, right, right after he threw the pitch, he like knew, right when the the bat made contact, he was like, damn it, you know what I mean, so... Unfortunately, not the greatest start for him, but also not necessarily awful. I still think the kid has some future, and there was a point at one time when he was considered kind of one of the, I don't want to say centerpieces of the Padres rebuild, but definitely one of the, definitely a piece of some sort. So we shouldn't totally abandon the interest and intrigue around Adrian Morajon. I don't know exactly what his role will be in the future come, you know, when prospects like Mackenzie Gore come up, but for now, uh, not too bad. I didn't think he was that bad. On the Giants' side of things in terms of pitching, um, Anthony Discalfani got the start. He goes five innings, giving up one earned run on four hits, walking three and striking out four. Another line that I think is a little bit misleading, believe it or not. I actually thought Discalfani looked pretty okay. Same thing as Morajon. Believe it or not, I actually thought that... I'm going to say, I thought Descalfani looked better than Luke Widener for the Dimebacks, who we lost to on Sunday. I actually thought that Widener, he was just getting very fortunate that for some reason the Padres hitters weren't making enough contact, weren't hitting the ball very well. I actually thought that Descalfani looked all right. I, I really do. I think that, yeah, the Padres' offense wasn't great last night. Don't get me wrong. It's the second game in a row where they kind of stifled and didn't you know rise to the occasion in certain scenarios. But I actually I actually really do think that he, he looked... Um, Pretty good. I, I'm not going to lie. I thought Disclifani had like a pretty good game. Um, and then, of course, in terms of the rest of the game, uh, Craig Stammen, stampeding Stammen, as I guess I'll call him now, uh, based off of what he did yesterday. I didn't like that they left Craig Stammen in the game for longer. I've just been kind of defending the guy on a recent episode saying that if he's the worst guy in your bullpen, I don't think that that's a bad sign, and it's probably a good sign for where your team is at. He does tend to have really annoying blow-ups every now and then. But in this game, he was good until they kept him in for longer than an inning. He comes in and gives up the the home run. So, it's not... I I, I fault him, but I'm also like, I would have rather seen Pagan a little bit earlier. Again, I'm not going to play manager and totally understand that I know everything about baseball, but that's just my personal tank. I would have rather have seen Pagan or even Tim Hill uh, in that situation. I just think that we would have brought in another guy. I don't think Stammen is designed for long relief. But anyway... um, In terms of the Padres' offense, like I said, not a great offensive game for them. Victor Caratini, Puerto Rican power, which I can't even say. (laughs) I'm not even in a good mood to say. Puerto Rican power with a lot of emphasis on it, but he gets an RBI this game. Um, Cool. You know what I mean? Like, great. Uh, That's kind of cool, I guess. Um, Sure. He drives in. He's actually, he drove in the only RBIs, the only runs for the Padres last night, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Profar had a triple, which was cool. Man, Profar really is, by the way. I will say, that's another tiny, 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 tiny silver lining. Every time Profar makes like a play, it, it just excites the team, it seems like. And he gets excited about it. That triple was really, really exciting. And uh, I think he deserves a lot of um, props for having a nice little bounce back in a, in a career that really was wrought and destroyed by injury, in my opinion. But anyway, um, unfortunately, the Padres, despite also the bigger storyline of this game if you want to call it that, was in the bottom of the ninth, Jake McGee coming in for the Giants. Very um, capable closer for sure. Very capable reliever uh, for the Dodgers last year. He was great. Um, You know, we had two people on base. It stinks. You know, Machado is able to draw the walk. Hosmer gets hit by a pitch. Um, And then there's a a wild pitch that allows them to go to second and third. And then Pham flies out to center. Now let me just talk about Tommy Fam for a little bit. I actually had a joke after a joke tweet um, after on the lockdown Padres account after he fly out you know and he made, he made good contact on the ball and everyone in the stadium appropriately got excited and it's just a line out to center. Um, someone responded saying, "I'm done with him. I'm done with Tommy Pham," and I think that's a huge mistake. I I just. And I just looked it up, by the way, if anyone's curious. Basically, I just joked that Toby Fab has to have like a 130 BABIP at this point, right? Batting average on balls in play, which is a stat that is very good, in my opinion, for just judging if someone's getting supremely unlucky. And I wasn't totally far off on that. In 2021, he has a BABIP of 200, which is well below the Major League kind of average. So he has been getting a little bit unlucky. However, I will say that his exit velo for all of his shots hasn't been that... Like, hard. I mean, he manages to barrel the ball. Like, he's making contact. Barrel percentage is at 86% right now. 86% tile right now. Just checking StatCast. That's just what I'm doing right now. Uh, and he's walking a lot. He's got a good eye at the plate, all that stuff. So, I really don't think we should be worried about Tommy Pham. If there's one thing I can take from it, based on the fact that the ball hasn't been hit all that hard, every time he makes contact with it, you know, you had that game on Sunday where even he looked like he was like, damn, like, I thought I got that one, and it, it looked like it was a home run, but it wasn't. I guess maybe we should keep an eye on not his ability to make contact and that he's going to be like a 200-hitter. But I'm wondering, is this guy not going to hit many home runs? Is this going to be a guy that only hits like 15 home runs? Which isn't bad, especially if he still has all the on-base skills and you know batting average skills. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But I wouldn't be super panicky about Tommy Pham right now. I think that he's going to improve. I'm really bullish on him this year. I think he's got an incredible, an incredible eye at the plate. There was one pitch that I think this Clefani threw last night. That I was like I don't know how the hell he didn't swing at that. The splitter that went in the ground. The the movement on the pitch was like if Scarlet Witch was able to control a baseball with her mind. That's how quickly that thing changed direction. It was just incredible, right? Um so yeah, I'm still really high on Tommy Fam, and I think everybody should be um and shouldn't panic just yet about that. And speaking of panic though, uh that's kind of the end of that game. Before we talk about the thing that a lot of people panicked over, uh, and rightfully so, by the way, I need to talk to you guys about RockAuto.com. It is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. That's right. Two whole decades. Two whole decades. The same amount of time it's been since the Pirates last had a World Series contender-type team. Basically, you could say, go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low. And they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Doesn't make any sense, now does it? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, LOCKED ON in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Alright guys, and before we get into my thoughts on the devastating Tatis injury... Get all the sports news you need in under twenty minutes with the Lockdown Today Podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, guys, let's talk about it. Fernando Tatis Jr.'s injury last night was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Um it was announced after like, you know, a little bit actually a while after, like about an hour later. That Tatis suffered a left shoulder sub- subluxation. Um, and he's going to be reevaluated today. Um, and that's another thing about this podcast. Um, we might get more news as this drops. Uh, so make sure to check Twitter and everything. I don't know when we'll get more news about it. But look, uh, here's the thing. I don't want to play doctor. You know what I mean? I don't want to play doctor and assume I know... Everything that's going to happen, I know that we can all look up what some of the possibilities are. People are saying it's a partial dislocation and that you know it's not the worst that it could be. And then other people are saying he's done for the year. And then other people are saying he could maybe play through it or whatever. Uh, I don't want to play on that. I want to wait until I get more of a concrete type of deal. I want to know what exactly is going to happen because he's being reevaluated and I want to hear it. Now, it should be brought up that, yes... Um, the Padres tend to lie about injuries quite a lot, you know. As as people replied to my tweet uh, last night when I said basically my response was just let's wait for an update, and I don't know if that annoyed people. I don't think it annoyed people. I think that people were just like, "What the hell, man? Like we're so used to sadness, of course we're going to be panicking and all that." Uh, Padres obsessed Wes quote tweeted uh, quote tweeted me and said, "Must be new here," which is fair. It's just fair. I am kind of new here, but it is true that I do understand the injury stuff. I think that, you know, to just project for a little bit, let's say that the injury you know, serious and whatnot, um, I think there are going to be a lot of questions now surrounding, yet again, the Padres' lack of transparency with injuries with players. We had it last year with Denelson Lament and Mike Clevenger in the playoffs. Clevenger sounded like it wasn't that big of a deal. That's what they made it sound like. That's the message that seemed to be shared. And then he goes out there and only makes it through an ending. And then after that, they say it's just bone chips and he needs a scope. And then he needs Tommy John surgery. And then Lamette, which is the one that sounded much worse, uh, which they they kind of didn't, they, they were like doing that thing where they were like, yeah, it's serious, but it's not too bad. We're hoping to have him back. You know what I mean? It was one of those things. It's like, can you just tell us? And then he didn't pitch at all, obviously, in the postseason. And he's still not pitching for the team right now. We're hoping that he comes back. So all of a sudden, the Padres are becoming this, Not all of a sudden, but the Padres are suffering a lot of bad injury. The injury bug has indeed hit the Padres uh, hard. And what I really want to say about the injury bug thing is this, is that Tatis had that injury with his shoulder in spring training. And he was helped off the field and all that. And then he comes back uh, in the next game. And the next day, he hits a home run. So we're all like, all right, great. He's healthy. He's great. After this injury on a swinging pitch, it's not like he got hit with the ball or anything. It's swinging the bat. He re-aggravated that shoulder thing clearly, the dislocation, whatever, all that. And I do think it should be brought up and people should rightfully be questioning how serious was that shoulder injury in the first place in spring training? You know? It's a fair question to ask, and all of a sudden everybody's starting to write about. It. You know, I'm seeing reporters, I'm seeing writers, everybody being like, you know, it's always been kind of talked about Tatis's shoulder injuries and how he has like a, a little bit of a tweaked shoulder, and that's a thing that's been bothering him for a long time. And I'm like, Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Was has it really always been made very clear that Tatis has had this big shoulder issue? I know he's been had shoulder injuries, but there's a difference between that versus like it's known that he's had an issue. And my question is then, if it was so known, apparently, according to people that I've read, why was nobody bringing this up after his giant 14-year extension? And I'm not saying they shouldn't have given it to him, by the way. I'm just saying, I didn't see a single soul, no reporter, no nothing for general baseball. Heck, any type of person that was bringing up his... They said, oh, he's been injured before and hasn't played the full season. But no one was bringing up, hey, the, let's see what happens with the shoulder injury. I don't think that was made very clear that his shoulder was some type of issue. So in my opinion, that's the thing that frustrates me the most. This this thing where everyone, like it was this well-known fact that this could happen almost. That's almost what seems to be implied. But anyway... um, this is obviously devastating in terms of the future for the team. Let me react to some, uh, I guess, hyperbole that was uh, being spread across Padres Twitter yesterday. Okay, so the first thing is everyone panicking saying the season's over. Okay, I have some breaking news for those people. This is baseball. Uh, if you lose one guy, usually your season isn't just by de facto over. Okay, it's just not. That's just not how this sport works. What is true though is the energy. And the magic has been almost near completely sucked out of the building. This team can still be good. This team is deep as hell. It seems like I would expect in terms of Tatis' replacement, I think they're going to see what happens with Hassan Kim, who they sign and has played shortstop before. That's what his primary kind of position was. We'll see how he looks. He's been eh so far. Shown some signs, but not a lot of power signs, I think is the big thing with him. He's trying to catch up with the really high velocity of Major League Pitching. It might take some time for him. Tukapita Marcano, who has been awesome and the team clearly likes him. Uh, Maybe he moves to shortstop. Maybe Jorge Mateo who can play shortstop, maybe maybe he moves over there once Grisham comes back. He won't come back, you know, to move to shortstop now. But maybe when Grisham comes back, maybe they do, you know, that type of flip. Jerickson Profar may, you know, I mean, like, you can move around the infield. J- uh, Jay Cronenworth, if they have to, maybe you have to put Profar second. All I'm saying is they have, like, different lineup configurations because they've got a lot of guys that can play multiple positions, which is what the great part about this team is. A lot of depth. So the season's not over, but a lot of the hype and momentum has completely dissipated almost universally this is an MVP candidate like a top 10 potential player in baseball and also which I tweeted about it puts a lot of the I'd critique Tatis the thing that was scaring me the most wasn't his lot of strikeouts the lack of a bunch of hits in the first series against Arizona but it was the defensive issues off-balance throws, you know, throwing pass to Chris Paddock, trying to turn a double play that probably wasn't there in the first place, throwing it nearly into the stands, uh, bobbles, you know what I mean, all this little stuff, all of a sudden it makes me wonder, is that why all those errors were starting to happen? Is it because of the shoulder thing? So, again, lots of questions, um, but that's that's my number one thing that people need to stop doing um, in terms of other Padres, Twitter kind of narratives. Number two uh, is that they need to make a trade. All right, we got to go get Trevor Story you know, got to go get Carlos Correa. We got to go get Javi Baez. No, uh, you actually don't have to do that. Sorry to break it to you guys. This team is extremely deep and going for one year rental, unless it's some back end prospects. Uh, no, how about we just don't do that? There's plenty of depth. And also we have CJ Abrams who is, can play shortstop. That's his primary position. They're obviously working him out at other places and they want him to move over once he's ready to debut. But like You don't need to panic trade for somebody just yet, especially when we don't know fully how serious the injury is. And that's my third thing on Padres Twitter that I need to point out is a lot of the let's not play doctor. You know, I said this before, let's not play doctor because, I mean, if we're being honest, I think a lot of people were playing doctor uh, this past year in general and as the course of the world has shown, the way current events have unfolded. Uh, I think it's better when people don't play doctor and act like they totally understood science that they didn't study or go to school for. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'll move on from that. Let's just be careful on that. Again, lastly, that's my kind of final thoughts on it. Hassan Kim, hopefully he can be a rookie of the year type of guy, I guess. But it's a huge blow. It's a huge blow, but it's not. It's a huge blow, but in terms of just the team being good, they can still be good. You know what I mean? Does this decrease their World Series probability? Probably. Probably by a significant margin. But remember who this team still has. We got Yu Darvish going tonight. We still have Blake Snell. Joe Musgrove. Lament when he hopefully comes back healthy. I say hopefully now. It's very uh, hypocritical of me to say don't panic, but I just brought up another person who's injured uh, right now. But we still have him coming back. We're still hoping for a bounce back from Paddock. Still great bullpen. Hasan Kim's there, Jerkson Profar, Manny Machado, Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham will be coming back soon. Um it was it came out that he they're hoping to have him back for the series against Texas. There's still a lot of reason to at least be excited, but yeah, I'm I, I can't I don't know if you guys can tell, but I've been trying to contrive a lot of ex, uh optimism uh right now. I am very sad. Um the amount of memories that this guy gave me just last year in a sixty game sample size was incredible. <sighs> I don't know, man. Everyone, if you're feeling really bad about this, I get it, um, but I do genuinely think we shouldn't play and We do have to wait a little bit to see what happens. Um, and then, of course, I will talk about the update on the injury, what it comes out, which will probably end up being tomorrow, which will probably end up being tomorrow, and uh, I'll go over it, and we'll see, uh, we'll see how it is, but I do admit it doesn't look great. Um, But now, before we get into the last part of the podcast, just going over kind of a housekeeping, I guess, uh, assortment of things, I need to talk to you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You know, college basketball is officially over now. Congratulations to Baylor, who kicked Gonzaga's ass last night, apparently. Congratulations to Stanford for the women's for winning it. So college basketball isn't exactly on right now, but the NHL... Of course, baseball, for better or worse, for us Padres fans, is still going on. you got the NBA. Everything is in full swing, and BetOnline is here for you. And they even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. With real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website to use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How about that? Just for signing up, you get money. Isn't that great? Uh, not many things in life give you that kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? Remember to use the promo code Locked On Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, and now before we get into this kind of like final housekeeping uh, thing and some of my thoughts on other things going on around the league, uh, Locked On Fantasy Baseball, guys. It's a great podcast. Fantasy baseball. If you if you're an addict, you know you now have a resource. To give you an advantage in your leagues, that's Locked On Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer strategies and waiver wire pickups and everything in between that lead to league wins. Follow Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. For all my Fernando Tatis Jr. owners in fantasy baseball I'm also sorry for you, too. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, that stinks. This is a high draft pick, obviously. Uh, but anyway, that's a totally not nearly as important. Let's talk about some housekeeping things. First, um, tomorrow, me and Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants are going to be doing a live reactions locker room for the Giants-Padres game at 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be talking about that one. Blake Snell will be getting the start which is really fun uh, for the Padres. So it's definitely a start that I'm looking forward to. you um, Darvish is getting the start tonight, obviously. So Snell will be uh, on Wednesday. Going to be talking about that. I imagine you guys might have more questions for me about Tatis and stuff. Come hang out. I feel like everyone's going to be asking about that now. This whole series feels like it just doesn't matter now. <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of just the, the energy sucked out of the air. But stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I love do, using Locker. Room. Ben is an addict. This man went for, like, four hours the other day on Friday. Like, he stayed on there for a long-ass time. So, shouts to Ben, uh, one of my favorites for sure, a uh, really good pal of mine. So, stay tuned for that. Also, I'm going to link it in the description again. I wrote about Phil Hughes for a new website, Off the Bench Baseball. Not a new website in terms of it being new, but new for me. Uh, and I wrote about how I've kind of been obsessed with him, and I think that his career and his vibes are pretty immaculate, and what he was able to do is something that we all should kind of aspire to. So you guys can check out that. I'm going to link it in the description of the pod. I'll only plug it maybe one more time this week, I promise, but check that out. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I love writing and stuff, obviously. If you guys didn't know, I am definitely a writer in my spare time. Uh, and now lastly, let's talk about some news from around the league. All right, so there's a couple things that I want to talk about. Yesterday was Jacob deGrob's first start uh, for the Mets that season, and all the Mets fans are freaking out. And semi-justifiably so. They're basically saying, hey, look, and I, I tweeted about this. I made a, I did the Nathan Fielder meme, and it's basically like, yet again, Jacob Durham is nearly perfect. He goes six innings, only three hits, barely, I don't even, I think he had one walk and then seven Ks. They took him out early at 77 pitches. I was watching the game, by the way, if anybody cares, because the Mets are kind of my secondary team this year. Um in the NL if I do have a secondary team, just because I love Lindor and I'm rooting for him. And I have a lot of Mets fans in my life, in my life. So object, I kind of am rooting for them, uh, including my dad, who's, and my parents actually in general, they're definitely not Mets fans, but they don't object to it. They don't have the same Yankees-Mets rivalry and whatnot. So I'm rooting for Francisco Lindor, who didn't have like an incredible first game or anything like that. Um, And for some reason, the Philly fans were booing him, like pretty extremely. I was very confused by that. I was like, what the hell? Like why why is this guy getting all the booze? You know what I mean. It's not like he's done anything to Philly, so I was very confused by that. Um, I'm not gonna look too much into that, but very odd there. And yeah, Jacob Degrom is just very sad. It's I saw an incredible stat. Jacob Degrom. This comes from Mac, Mac Mike Axisa on Twitter at Mike Axisa. He said Jacob Degrom now has a 2.07 ERA since 2018, and the Mets are 36 and 41 in his starts. Absolutely remarkable shit from the Mets right there. <laughs> like, absolutely phenomenal stuff, man. Let me tell you, I just... Look, I, it's amazing. And to all the Mets fans out there, I still think the team is going to be good, but I understand that this debut, it kind of feels like classic Mets. If there's anyone that can ruin on paper a team that has a great roster, and I do think they are. I think that they are actually probably a top-five team for this season on paper, um, especially with the additions of Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, James McCann, all those guys, right? like They're definitely kind of a top-five team on paper, but I get why people with the association of the Mets, I guess kind of a moniker team name, uh, by default you're kind of having some hesitation. Similar to, say, a team like the Jets, you know what I mean? If you're a Chargers fan, sorry, don't mean to trigger all the Padres fans. Chargers fans are kind of used to that. Uh, no matter what the roster looks like, there are teams out there and fan bases out there that are like, we don't care. We're just used to things going wrong. Um, Padres might even be that kind of situation. Although it's been a while for the Padres since they've had a good team, obviously. But So shout out to the Mets. I still think they're going to be good. Mets fans don't panic too much. Um, but definitely, you're allowed to be upset because it's just a, the same old story with Jacob DeGrom being kind of wasted. The next thing I want to talk about is probably a more important thing for a general baseball. It's, well, first of all, just the A's getting their asses kicked was, was incredible, by the way, <laughs> over the weekend. Like, that team, I don't know what's going on with them. I still have hope with them because I think their depth is amazing, but geez, Louise. But it's more about the Houston Astros. And I want to start off by reading a statement from Dusty Baker, um, Astros manager, right? He said, you can tell the amount of hostility and the amount of hatred in the stands. I think that sometimes we need to look at ourselves before you spew hatred on somebody else. It's a sad situation for America, to me, when you hear things, I mean, what are the kids supposed to think in the stands? And some of them are kids that are following their parents. It's sad to me. People make mistakes, we paid for ours, and I wish they'd leave it alone. Okay, so let's unpack this. I've actually gone on record as saying that I'm a little bit over the Astros thing. I just think that I don't know. I think players don't have to be over it. Like, don't get me wrong. Players do not. But me as a, like, they get to decide. It's You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're the victims, basically, in this situation. Everybody that was cheated by the Astros, like, they get to decide that, right? But to a degree, I'm like, I'm not into this whole throwing at people's heads and stuff like that. Like, and I don't think that's happened yet. I got really mad. I've talked about how much I hate Joe Kelly. And I did not like the lionizing adulation that people gave him last year for trying to hit a guy in the head twice. You know, I saw that the crispest seat of the A's hit Carlos Correa on his shoulder pad or whatever. I thought that was not reasonable. Reasonable is a weird way to put it, but it was a lot more something that I can at least understand a little bit more, why people would be excited about that. My thing with that statement by Dusty Baker is one one thing. And Aaron Layton of Lockdown Marlins, by the way, had a good tweet basically summarizing his feelings on that. So I'm plagiarizing a little bit, but basically I agree with what he said and that, look, bottom line, the reason people are still mad at you guys? One, because you keep bringing it up. You just got to stop. Like you just got to take the L. Please, when people you got to like go one series after a team getting mad at you and just take the L. Please, just take the L. Just stop, right? The reason people are still mad is because you guys didn't pay for your mistakes. You didn't lose a World Series championship, which I don't think should have happened. None of the players got suspended. That's the biggest thing. You know, use AJ Hinch as your as your as your scapegoat. He gets suspended for, like, a year or whatever, right? Now he's with Detroit. So that's the bigger issue. They didn't really punish you guys. Now, did they? I know the MLBPA probably was part of that. They had to defend their players, and I get that. But, like, that's the big thing. So, And then also, there's a lot of other bigger issues going on in America right now than this, right? This is the worst thing. That honestly, you have to tell your kids that it's, not, it's wrong to cheat so heinously like this, right? So that's my biggest issue. The thing with the Astros and then the Angels game last night, the someone threw out an inflatable trash can, which I thought was genuinely hilarious, like onto the the stadium, um, like uh, onto the field. I thought that was actually pretty funny. I don't know. It, it made me laugh. I think the trash can thing has gotten a little bit old, but it did make me laugh. It did, admittedly. So I just think overall, like the Astros, it looks like this is, I speculate before the season, is this going to go away? Like, are we, are we past this that everybody move on? I think we've got a resounding answer to that, and it is a resounding no. And I'm not saying they should be. Players have a right to be upset by this. They freaking cheated, man. You know? Like, blatantly and extremely. This wasn't like a one-time M- Miguel Pineda when he had the pine tar on him, and then the Red Sox were like, I mean, come on. Guys. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, come on. This is a bit too much. No, this is, like, extreme. And the Yankees fans, Dodger fans, for sure, everybody's upset. So, I think that, The Astros keep digging themselves into this hole. And I understand Dusty Baker isn't part of it. It's not like he was he was kind of brought in, it seems like, to be the damage control type of manager, and I think he might be good for that. But it's tough. So don't... Astros fans need to understand why people are not going to be rooting for them. As much as I like, I like their players. But as people have pointed out, when it comes to the beanball, Alex Bregman, years ago, go look it up. His favorite unwritten rule, which I think was absolute heinously awful of him to say he was like I like that baseball kind of polices itself and you get hit if you do something stupid it's like well guess what it's happening to you now you know that's my I think a bigger thing with Astros too is all the hypocrisy amongst the players to a degree to a very small degree guys I know I'm biased because he's Puerto Rican but I kind of at least respect that Correa basically ever since the playoffs last year he just has kind of embraced the villainy role you know what I mean to a degree. To a very small degree. The Alliance, we've decided he's on he's on temporary suspension. We can't totally root for him. We're not begging for him to get hit or anything like that. But he's he's at suspension from the Puerto Rican Alliance. Don't get me wrong, we don't we are not in love with him right now. But that's my thing. Um it's probably one of the bigger things. I'm curious to see how baseball handles it. But that's my thing, is baseball didn't handle it. So this is why we have this. Don't throw at people's heads. That's wrong. Don't cheer for injuries, that's also wrong. Cause to a degree guys, we have a lot of other people in this league. Go look at the Yankees roster, for example, that have done things that are also quite heinous and awful. So don't act like your team is also, and you're you as a fan have been above reproach. That I do think is true to a degree from Dusty Baker to a degree, but he is wrong when he says we paid our dues. No, that's not true. You didn't. Straight up, that's why people are still mad. If Major League Baseball had suspended Bregman, Altuve, Correa, you know, like all these guys for like forty games much different story in my opinion much 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 different story but anyway guys that's kind of all my thoughts uh for today uh kind of a little bit chunkier of a podcast than yesterday's episode because there was a lot to talk about and I kind of wanted to make sure it wasn't just me crying about Tatis because you know why one because I try to stay positive and two we might have even more news to come so I want to kind of save it for when we get more of the news to kind of officially come out um, but yeah, stay tuned guys for in terms of the future of this pod. Uh, tomorrow gonna recap this game that Darvish is starting. hopefully he has a great start. I'm actually very, very excited to see him pitch again such a fun player to watch. Um, hopefully that that goes well. And then I'm um, going to recap that on tomorrow's episode. And hopefully, as long as, you know, if we don't get any news, whatever, I'll kind of recap if there's any Tatis updates. And then post either my chat with Emily Nyman on the back end of the pod or my chat with DC Lundberg, which will probably be split up into two parts. That's probably what you guys should expect. And then also uh, later this week we're going to have a Rangers crossover with Bryce Paterik of Lockdown and Rangers. That should be a lot of fun, guys, so don't worry. A lot of cool episodes upcoming, a lot of stuff to talk about. Padre season is still early, and there's still so much already to talk about, so... With that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever. Uh, If you're on Apple Podcasts, send me some five-star reviews. I'd greatly appreciate it. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful, my prior faithful homies. Take care.